Uh, welcome to Cisco Champions Radio. We are broadcasting live from Cisco Live in Orlando. I am Joel Sprague, and we are here with James Leach. Why don't you uh, introduce yourself? Sure. So uh, my name is James Leach. I'm uh, working in the uh, UCS team. Uh, I'm a director of product management, and I, uh, I do a lot with uh, what's coming on the, the platform side of UCS, a little bit of uh, roadmap work and, and a little bit of platform strategy. Thank you for joining me. I've um, Obviously, as you can guess, we are nerding out about UCS here. I've been using UCS for almost eight years now. Uh, use pretty much all of the converged stacks and some of the hyper-converged, and I love using it. So really looking forward to talking about this here. I feel like I should be taking notes, though, as I'm asking you questions, too. Uh. Uh, so obviously, the big announcement recently is the dense compute, the, the C4200 and the C125. So what can you tell me about this? Right. So this is really exciting for us because it really represents a, um, a market expansion for UCS. So it's a segment of the market that we really um, we weren't really playing in um, current, you know, in the past. And the reason for that was that we really couldn't bring the UCS goodness to bear, right? So we couldn't bring a lot of the, the management capabilities that we had, um, and we couldn't bring a lot of the, you know, kind of really change the economics. And we really didn't want to be part of uh, sort of like a me too, uh, you know, product, you yeah. know, just pushing product into a space that we really couldn't innovate. Um, so what we, what we were able to do is we leveraged uh, a couple of different capabilities coming in. Um, one of them is, uh, is, you know, this is our first product based on uh, an AMD CPU. So we have an AMD-based um, uh, product, the, the C125 server mm -hmm. module, which goes into our C4200 chassis, um, which is a, a two-rack unit, um, four-node server. So we have four servers inside of that really dense two-note chassis, and it really allows us to put a very high core count CPU um, into a, a pretty dense space and keep our power footprint really in check at the same time. You know, we, can't, we can't go crazy um, uh, stuffing uh, you know, more and more technology into this space where our customers can't really consume it very well. Yeah. So we have this, this new AMD um, Epic CPU, which really changes the game a little bit around uh, around this space. Um, we also um, have recently launched uh, a product uh, this, this past year called Cisco Intersight. And Intersight is very exciting for us because it changes the management paradigm um, to a cloud-based management uh, you know, format. So fundamentally now, we can take a product that maybe is geared towards the edge and we can management, manage it as though it were in the data center. Right? So this is where we can add that Cisco value around that we bring to, to platform management um, with, with Cisco Intersight. And now we have a product that really fits this space very well and isn't just another you know, product that, that everybody's pumping into this, into this space. Yeah. Most, most of the, uh, you know, our competitors uh, that attack this, this sort of the, this dense market, they go really downscale, they deprecate the management to, um, to, if, if not a completely different management stack, which basically creates problems for a lot of our customers who want to do some of our some of their work in the data center and then push it out to the edge, they end up with two discrete management stacks. And this is a really a big problem to create these silos, these islands of management that don't talk to each other. They have to be managed separately. It's sort of like having another uh, uh, another infrastructure that you have to deal with. Whereas the C4200 gives us a, a 
a, a very nice dense footprint, but allows us to manage everything, whether it's in the data center, whether it's traditional blade, rack server, um, UCS, or you know, wh whatever location it's in, we can manage, manage it all the same way with, with Intersight. So that, this is pretty exciting for us to be able to, to bring something into this space that's not uh, you know, somewhat handicapped in regard to the features and functions that you can do um, from a management standpoint. Absolutely. So the, you're definitely. It sounds like you're looking at the the edge market. These the you know the remote office, branch office. So with you know, Intersight is giving you your enterprise class management remotely. But like what we're doing with Meraki, where we you we have the devices, we don't have to have the staff on site. Exactly. So it's like is one of the use cases you guys are thinking about here, uh, like working with the Hyperflex business unit, take that Hyperflex node all into RU put it in the remote office and be able to manage it from your central right. office. So the, the, the great part is Hyperflex is RBU, right? So we're, we're the same team that okay. does UCS and Hyperflex. So we're working very closely with them and they're very excited about this platform because it, it's, uh, uh, it does have some, some interesting implications mm -hmm. for um, Hyperflex at the edge because of the simplicity, because of the, you know, the, the nature of, of hyperconverged to begin with, lends mm -hmm. itself very well to, uh, to um, you know, let, let's say a lower staffed you know, type of location. Um, and then this physically is very nice for the edge. Generally speaking, we've seen a push towards moving the compute very close to the work that's being done. Mm -hmm. I think that's what's driving the edge kind of uh, um, you know, surge that we've seen in, in demand because um, getting that compute as close as you can to the demand is, is, solves a lot of problems for customers. The problem is they just can't bring their IT staff close to the demand um, and get them out there at the edge as well. So that's where the, our management capabilities are great. And you hit it right on the head. You know, Meraki was a, is a great model for us. It's, it's experience that Cisco has mm -hmm. in how to really do cloud-managed devices and, uh, correctly, if you will. Well, and it's, it doesn't even feel just like that. It feels like extension of you know, that whole idea, that paradigm that Meraki's pushing, but then also continuing what we're doing with the E-Series and the ISRs. Get, you know, like you said, getting that compute close to the edge in these small offices where it needs to be rather than reaching back over your WAN or even SD-WAN sure. to where the compute it, might be. It's very complementary to E-Series, right? Because we have, uh, with E-Series you have uh, a lot of really switching and routing capabilities with a little bit of kind of lightweight compute, more for yeah. For, for network services or, or some really lightweight virtualization, it's great. Um, we go, that we kind of fit right up against that where you need a lot more compute capability. Um, and then with Hyperflex, we'll be able to add more storage capability. You can see the platform is capable of a fair amount of storage and with, with some of the new technologies around NVMe mm -hmm. and, um, and the capacities that have increased uh, as far as the, the SD, you know, SSD devices you know, the, the, that it's a more than capable platform now to, to fill that need. So we're really kind of building that continuum of what you need, whether it's in the data center or all the way at the edge. And like I said, that being able to do that w with one management stack is something that's <laughs> pretty unique, I think. Yeah, it's very nice. I love, you know, like you said, trying to fit these other different needs. You know, when I started doing it, you either had your two socket or your four socket B series, and that was pretty much it. And it's we're seeing UCS continue to evolve, you know, to fit all these different needs. That, you know, if you're investing in hardware, you want hardware that's actually going to really fit the, your use case. You know, you, you don't want necessarily a general purpose UCS. In 
many respects isn't general purpose. It's not your off-the-rack server. It's you know more than that. You have the stateless, you know, your server's profiles and everything else. And it's nice to see that the hardware continues to push these two. Now, one thing I thought about when I first uh, saw the, the announcement for the C4200, saw these C125 blades is, I'm like, that's a two-rack unit, uh, CPU-only node for Hyperflex. But with the AMDs, then you have the EBC issues. Is there any thoughts uh, to uh, Intel nodes for the C4200? So, so the C4200, there's nothing specific about it that makes it um, an epic platform. Mm -hmm. um, we chose to bring out the C125 AMD-based module first. Um, and, but we look at the C4200 as more of a, a product line, mm -hmm. um, building a family under it. Right now, we don't have anything that's not the C125, but there's nothing that prevents us from doing that. So, you know, without getting into too much roadmap yep. or getting this into an NDA discussion, <laughs> I think suffice to say that, you know, we definitely have more plans for, for that platform. And we're excited about what we're, you know the, the different ways it could go, um, and, and it's not just Intel or it's not just CPU even. You know there are other things we can put into those slots um, that we're kind of excited to see how we can make this platform really fit some other uh, you know use cases as well. Yeah, I definitely I can definitely see uh, you know with AMD processors and say uh, 3D crosspoint cards and they're doing some big data manipulation in very dense compute there with the C125. So sure. it's very exciting. Now I assume uh, if customers have use cases that they think might have been missed or whatever that your team wants to hear, you absolutely, know, reach so, out to our SEs or account managers and get the information to you. Absolutely, we stay very close to our, our, uh, our account managers, our SEs, our PSSs. You know, they're all out there uh, feed, you know, kind of feeding us information back mm -hmm. from customers. Um, we also have a lot of direct contact. You know, this is a great event for us to, uh, to, to have customers come and, and look and feel the actual product on, you know, <laughs> on site here and give us some really um, you know, first impressions, raw feedback. Um, we've also run some, some uh, beta programs uh, so we're we're always anxious to get more feedback on where this this product fits, okay, and what we can do to make it fit better. Now I've always been curious. I've been branching out a bit from data center, getting more into security, and it seems like every product Cisco either develops or acquires ends up being uh, offered as an appliance on a C220. <laughs> so do you guys? Does your team get requests from the other business units, like feature requests from them, as to how things uh, they might need in next generations? Absolutely. Um, we do. Uh, we we consider you know, the adopter business units is what we call them um, as one of our you know one of our biggest customers really. Yeah. Um, now there there are a lot of different use cases that they that they have to deal with, but they're a, a very nice dichotomy or kind of a, a, I would say they're a. a you know, kind of a, a bellwether for, for what our customers tend to need to deploy other types of workloads anyway. So mm -hmm. the feedback they get usually isn't very, you know, um, far off the beaten path, but they do give us a lot of uh, a good feedback around how their workloads are evolving, um, you know, where they need to be, because appliances tend to be a little bit longer life mm -hmm. than uh, just, a, you know, the, the following the TikTok cycle of CPUs. Um, so we try to do some things with them to really kind of harden the the, the lifespan of the of the product and lengthen it so that we can, you know, allow them to put their product on it and not have to refresh that that product. So they do a lot with us of understanding how um, and what 
subsystems can be enhanced or maybe just modularized or, you know, um, they give us a lot of good feedback for those types of, uh, of uh, uh, workloads, I guess. Um, so they're, they're another customer, just like we, we treat Cisco IT as one of our biggest customers mm -hmm. as well. Um, it's, it's nice to have friendly feedback and very honest feedback. Oh, I'm sure. Uh, <laughs> uh, that, that helps us really make the product better. Yeah, and it's, you know, Cisco being who Cisco is, it's got to be kind of at the leading edge of what the rest of the customers are doing too. You know, it's these teams are driving innovation, not just following along. So it has to be helpful to, you know, keep ahead of where other, you know, outside clients are coming to in, say, the next 12, 18 months. Exactly, and I would say um, we have some of the most demanding customers from a security standpoint, or you know, from an overall architecture standpoint. You know, our IT team, for example, is very conservative when it comes to, you know, they want very uh, reliable, secure products, and so, you know, we have good standards internally, but they definitely keep us, you know, on that path and uh, demand that we, uh, that we deliver products in that way. So they're, they're kind of an advocate for all, all of our customers. Uh, they're the first one that they get to, to give us that feedback and the thumbs up, thumbs yeah. down. <laughs> the longevity is something I've certainly enjoyed. Just last year I find was getting rid of in my primary data center, the first uh, Gen 1 5108s we put in in 2010. And that, you know, they still worked fine. I, we moved some of them to a DR site, but it was, you know, we got our 6332, so we finally had to get new the, the new uh, V2 uh, 5108s. But that was, you know, part of the investment, the decision when we made it was we could buy those 5108s and have run M1, M2, and M3 blades in there and didn't have to replace the 5108s, didn't have to replace the IO modules. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, discussion nowadays about, you hear about disaggregated computing um, and really taking things apart. That's really how UCS came to be, if you think about it. Um, we took uh, really the, the standard around blades at the time had, um, had switching and management and compute all in one chassis, and it didn't scale very well because of that. What we were able to do was pull apart those different items. So we took management and fabric and we pulled them out of the chassis. So the chassis becomes a sheet metal vessel, yeah. right? So you don't have to worry about upgrading it constantly. Um, we, we're able to uh, to upgrade the modules um, without having to say that, okay, our, our, our chassis has a, a very deterministic lifespan and then it's going to be, you know, unusable or old technology. We, we kind of separated it from the beginning and that gave us not only better scale and scope for our management and our fabric, but it also separated the life cycles of those products as well. Very nice. Okay, where was I going next? I saw during a presentation on Monday, first thing, uh, it was a presentation on dense compute, dense storage, and one of the screenshots as we were clicking through the slides, I saw UCS Manager 4. So can I ask about this, or is it coming soon? Um, yeah, so that's, a, that's more of a coming soon okay. type item, but I can tell you that you know, we're, you know, we, we've got um, the Cisco Intersight product, yes. for example, that we've been doing a lot of development on, and um, it's really getting a lot of traction uh, uh, out in the market right now. But at the same time, we, we haven't stopped developing our, our UCS management platform in the traditional sense, mm -hmm. you know, inside the Fabric Interconnect. Um, we haven't stopped developing in the Fabric Interconnect family either. So all of those tools that, that we have, like UCS Director, um, you know, UCS Central, 
UCS Manager, they're still being developed. We are porting features over. You'll see uh, Intersight picking up some really exciting features. Um, and over time, that will, I believe, become the standard. But for now, we, we still see value in the, you know, the existing tools. So we're still working and churning out new, new product um, and new releases for, for UCS Manager as well. That's good to hear. Um, because we, uh, we have to keep everything on site. We do prim uh, a lot of DOD and like NATO, you know, international contracts. So is there any plans of, an, say, an Intersight appliance? Absolutely. Virtual? So okay. um, we've had a, a lot of customers who have everything from uh, a little bit of cloud anxiety to full-on air gap data centers that you know some of the government yeah. um, some of the governments that we deal with um, plural uh, they have those those very strict requirements so we're looking at doing a, an intersite on-prem version um, so effectively an appliance model that would uh, give you a lot of the capabilities that intersite offers but just do it from within your firewall so that okay. there's no there's no um, traversing the, the firewall with any any data at all very cool so obviously you know just like uh, the pri and private cloud you're gonna have to make some decisions is there probably going to be you know a full air gapped or a hybrid because it's you know all the, the HCL checks and stuff are still you know obviously a huge value in intersite so it's right. Is that something that you're thinking of making an option so you can have it, say, have it on premises? You have all your control there, but still, you know, I don't even know. Yeah. You so know, the, quite the, how to the do important it. thing is that we we want to give our customers, especially whether they're on prem or in the cloud, the ultimate control over what gets shared with with Cisco and where where when they bring in data, how they bring in data, and how and when they push data out to us. Like that's the most important thing is that they have that control. And a lot of our customers, especially the ones who are um, interested in an on-prem version, um, they, they have pretty strict policies around what they can and can't do. So we've been working within those guidelines. So we want to make Intersight as flexible as possible. Mm -hmm. Obviously, the more data you share, um, the, the better the benefit you get. Um, and the more you're willing to take in from our recommendation engine, um, the more mm -hmm. benefit you get. But we, we recognize that not everybody is in that position to make that choice. So um, we want to make sure that we have the, the most coverage possible with those two products. You sound like you've been talking to the, <laughs> our contracts people, you know, my customers internally. It's, yeah, this being able to control, you know, we want the technology, we recognize the value, but still because of our external clients, it's, yeah, being able to control what goes in, what comes out, because we have the responsibility to our clients just like you do, it sounds like, so. Exactly. Um, that was most of what I wanted to talk to except new FIs. Uh, what can we say about Gen 4 FIs? So, um, you know, I would say uh, we've talked about it here um, at the show. So it is still a, a, a bit of a roadmap item, but it's, uh, it's very imminent. Um, so the 6454 is, uh, is going to be our new, uh, another FI. Uh, I want to make sure that we're careful to not, not give people the impression that it's a replacement necessarily for the third generation of FI, but it's our fourth generation of, of Fabric Interconnect that's really complementary. Mm -hmm. um, and the main reason it's complementary is really um, based on the, some of our customers have different infrastructure built around 40 gig versus 10 gig versus 100 gig. So when you start talking about doing a, a, the, the fourth generation, um, it really is looking at how we provide uh, extra bandwidth or more of a replacement for the second generation of Fabric Interconnect. That's where the fourth generation comes in. 
Um, okay. So we expect those to live, the third and, and fourth generation to live together as part of the portfolio, depending on what your needs are. Um, it, is, uh, it does have 100 gig ports northbound. Um, it has uh, 1025 gig ports that are for connectivity down to the, uh, to the chassis. Okay. Um, and this really gives you a, a, a different, it, it gives you the ability to, uh, to, to uh, leverage the unified ports, but to do so in a way that um, can give you enough consolidation to where you don't need the, 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 the density of say like a 6296. Um, with that kind of port density, but you still have the bandwidth um, increase that you get without having to go to 40 gig and giving you a path really for 100 gig connectivity to, your, to the rest of your infrastructure. Um, and, and then we brought in some other, uh, some, some other goodies around uh, unified uh, ports with, we now support uh, you know, 32 gig fabric, uh, fiber channel, I should say. Oh, very nice. Um, so we have you know, 8, 16, 32 gig fiber channel support built natively into uh, into those uh, ports as well so I assume that since it's a Cisco FI there's probably still some Cisco specific silicon I know our unified fabric has always had some ASICs that had to be based it, it is and it's based on the same uh, technology that is in the 9k okay perfect so, yeah we've we've very heavily leveraged um, uh, that business unit for quite some time <laughs> and they they do a great job of making sure that our fabric stays um, you know, really leading edge. That's one thing I've enjoyed even back to the Gen 1 and Gen 2, that it's, it was based on the 5K and the 5500 switches that were deployed everywhere, you, you know, huge use. It's, you know, it just always felt like it, you know, each FI had a whole extra deployment getting bug scrubs because everyone was, you know, using the same switches there for, you know, their top of rack everywhere. It wasn't, it's a, you know, yeah. dedicated design, very specific, doing what it did, but making use of all this investment and you know technology and knowledge that Cisco has in the other businesses. Exactly, and and the, there are a lot of areas where that's very important. I would say, you know, if you you talked about extra bug scrub, um, it, it's also um, a great vetting for the the security models and for the silicon itself to be to be leveraged. You know, it's not reinvented every time. It's also just better for the customer for us to be able to take advantage of you know some of these other Cisco technologies without having to go off and reinvent it redesign it and and you know bring out brand new product that does effectively you know a lot of you know a lot of overlap in in feature set so it's good for everybody helps us with our development cycles um, make them quicker and also make sure that it's ultimately very compatible with the rest of your Cisco networking which is great too and now you mentioned port density and you know looking at the C125s the new S3260s we have the four port vix you know with the density on the C4200 that's a whole lot of ports so uh, what are we looking at for effectses that I always forget about because I live in the B series land but uh, are we continuing development effectses and you know options there yeah we still have you know our, our C series is is a little unique in that it can be managed or unmanaged by UCS which is great because it's actually more full featured than uh, you know than uh, even our blades because yeah. they're they're really kind of uh, you know you have effects built into the blade chassis like you said in the mm -hmm. B series um, but what what we have the capability of is either connecting them directly to an FI in a managed environment or going through effects so we'll still have effects capability built into all of the our VIC technology, whether it's in a B series or in a, a rack server. Okay. So but it's it's really a function of 
how much consolidation you need. You know, if you have a very small deployment, you may not want to go through the um, through the you know the complexity of adding a, a layer mm -hmm. in there of effects, um, just just as far as density in the rack goes or you know cost. But at the same time, if you have a large you know, C-series deployment, for example, or, or S-series, you might want to go ahead and, and take the steps to make that consolidation to save ports on your FI. Yeah, so. definitely. It's And, you know, obviously, like anything, it, you have to do the analysis of that workload, whether the oversubscription on the facts versus the density of the, you know, servers you're choosing. Exactly. And it's, I definitely, it's seen, a lot of the use cases I see that C4200 targeted at, not a lot of bandwidth, but a whole lot of CPU. So getting, you know, as many of these servers in the rack as you can and hopefully have the cooling and power to process it, you know, that seems like we keep getting higher and higher density. Uh. Well, density is a, is, is a very interesting topic for us these days because it really is different than it was when I, you know, when UCS began. Density was all about how much you could fit into a, into a rack. Um, now it's about how much you can power, how much you can cool, how many core density is not as important maybe as VM density or some other you know uh, measure of work. So like the new ra uh, uh, you know uh, I guess ratios that people talk about are performance per watt per dollar. Yep. And so that's where the C4200 really shines is fitting into that sort of a footprint as well. Yeah, I know a few years back we were moving one of our data centers and. At least three of the ones we looked at were moving to like the 10 foot racks and everything. And now it seems like we've talked to some of the same data centers about moving some other workload. And they're going back down to smaller racks because the power and cooling just couldn't keep, you know, couldn't keep up with the CPU and especially the GPU deployments that people are putting into these racks. Exactly. And, and um, you know, we've talked to a lot of customers who have that same concern, right? They they want they don't want to build a four foot tall data center. Yeah. Right? You know, they want to be able to 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 leverage the space that they have, but power is is increasingly becoming uh, a factor in that. So we've we've definitely been doing a lot of work around power management, around power policies built into UCS, around how we can help customers smartly place workloads. Um, and I think you'll see that increasing as we as we go forward because it's it's, it's what's really important to our customers, right? It's how they measure density now more than just how much we can squeeze in physically. Yeah. It, heck, the power policies and everything have been in UCS forever, but it seems like just the last year or two, I see these people, you know, finally going back to that equipment tab, like, oh, this is here, and this will solve this problem that I, you know, didn't see coming, I'm having, and didn't realize I already had the tool to, you know, fix it or at least manage it you know here in UCS this whole time exactly and and you'll see more and more levers um, from a power management standpoint starting to show up inside of UCS um, especially as we move to an intersight model where we have a, a wider scale um, deployment that may have very different power policies across the edge for example than what we can do in our data center um, or even across different data centers with very different capabilities yeah. we see customers who um, maybe put up another data, a newer data center, and they have an older data center, and they have, you know, obviously the capabilities they they that they have uh, for for the um, for facilities are very different across those two. So um, we have to be able to help them, you know, have a, a, a workload experience that they can, you know, really, you know, how do I place workloads? Where do they? Where, where where's the smartest place to put it? Some cases we give them a lot of capabilities. Other places we give them a lot of guidance for okay. where where um, that should go to meet their policy 
Um, that's what a lot of the simplicity that we're starting to build around power and, and uh, just management in general is all about. Very nice. Well, I think that was all the questions I had. Is there anything you, you know, you're dying to share, something exciting happening with UCS we didn't hit on? No, I think we covered a lot of what's new, but um, you know, we're just excited about you know, continuing to put, move the ball forward on uh, you know, with, with our, uh, our, our UCS product. Um, we've really been expanding around Hyperflex and some of our, uh, some of our uh, converged, hyper-converged, and just partner offerings. So our ecosystem is growing really by the day, um, as well as you know, uh, some, some of the partners that we have are bringing some really exciting solutions on top of our products, both inside of Cisco and, and outside of Cisco. So um, you know, there's just almost too much to talk about. I was going to say, it seems like, especially uh, the S3260, your team can't keep up with getting the white papers out there for all the <laughs> partner products using it. Yeah, our solutions team is very busy um, with CVDs and white papers. Uh, uh, I think their volume is increasing uh, exponentially <laughs> lately. So they're, they're excited to get their hands on some of these new platforms as well. And we're excited to, uh, to see what our partners can do with, with some of this technology as well. Yeah. Well, I think that is it. Thank you very much, James. Great. This was uh, Cisco Champions Radio at Cisco Live in Orlando here, 2018. I am Joel Sprague, and thank you for joining me. Go get some UCS. All right. <laughs>